Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown, and today I have assembled two-thirds of the talking hockey boys. I got Zach Lacey and Mike Berry on the show today. Fellas, how are we doing? Yeet, glad to be back. Let's go. Hockey's back, baby. One more week and we're back at it. Love to see it. It's, uh, it's a long time coming. Mm-hmm. Yep. We are here to preview the upcoming 2022-2023 NHL season. We'll kind of give a quick recap of the offseason, both from a league-wide and Bruins perspective. Kind of hit the big offseason moves for sure. We'll dive into what we're looking at for the Bruins as far as expectations goes this year for them. And then we'll kind of just talk about each of the four divisions, who we like, who we don't like, who we expect to make the playoffs this year, and who we expect to kind of go far into the playoffs and eventually take home that oh-so-elegant Stanley Cup trophy. So let's let's dive into it. We'll start with off-season recap. So I would say it was a, I don't want to say a monumental off-season, but there was definitely some big moves some big player names that went and changed jerseys this offseason. I think the biggest one, undisputedly, has to be Johnny Hockey. Johnny Goudreau leaves Calgary for the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think it was like seven years, 70 million, something in the ballpark of that. So about 10 million AAV came as a out of left field to a lot of people, uh, especially given the fact that Blue Jackets haven't exactly made the postseason the last couple of years. They do have some good good players there for sure. Uh, Patrick Laine uh, or is one that comes to mind for sure, but kind of surprised me for sure, being the kind of not as big hockey enthusiast. I, I didn't see that one coming at, at, at all. Uh, Zach, let me start with you on this one. Thoughts on Johnny Gaudreau headed to Columbus? Yeah, I mean, got us very happy for my for my boy Elijah. You know, big Blue Jackets fan. He was pumped about this one, so happy for him there. They get Johnny Hockey. Really thought he was going to the Devils um, for a while. Didn't even consider Columbus, but dude's an absolute stud. So. That's a great signing for Columbus. Maybe they'll get back to some semblance of relevance. Um, but man, good signing for them. And tough to, it's just weird to see both the New York teams and New Jersey and Philly just miss out on a big time free agent for Columbus. Yeah. Nobody, nobody does that. That was the tough one. My my coworker is a huge Devils fan, and he was convinced that they had a really good shot at bringing him in, uh, and and to see him go to Columbus at a, of all its places, very interesting. Wild, yeah. Uh, Mike, give me your thoughts on the Goudreau to Columbus. I think it's a good signing. Uh, if he's going to be playing on that top line, I think with Line A, it could be a dangerous combination to watch it i mean now you look out west and calgary's now a pure dumpster fire getting rid of two of their top guys and kachuk and, and gaudreau they did get huberdo in that trade from from the panthers but I, 
I think I don't think the the Flames got better. If anything, the Panthers got better in that exchange. Um, so we shall see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I, I like the signing by uh, Columbus. Wish uh, I wish it happened to the Bruins. He'd look real good in black and gold. But coming from uh, playing from BC, where he was awesome, awesome to watch. So I always wish they figured out how to get him here. But mm-hmm. alas. It definitely felt like the Jonathan Huberto trade was like a safe face kind of move in as a reaction to Johnny hockey leaving. Um, I'm with you there, Mike. It didn't on surface value. It doesn't look like they, they got as much back as they could have. Um, Or so that, that definitely remains to be seen though. Uh, But going back to Johnny hockey, one final point, it looks from it'll it'll they'll obviously be a great offensive team they were last year they're only going to be better now with Goudreau in the fold uh but they also were bottom five in goals allowed last year and looking at their offseason they didn't really do much else to address the back end so it looks like they're just gonna be trying the old outscore everyone and hope for the best mantra to get into the postseason so we'll see if that pays off for them uh, a couple other offseason moves that I think are are worth or merit bringing up. The Buffalo Sabres brought in a pair of goaltenders, Craig Anderson, as well as trading for Ben Bishop. I know his days are are long past due, but hey, he's still a name if you ask me. Uh, and then the Carolina Hurricanes brought in, they traded for Brent Burns from the Sharks, and they brought in Max Pacioretty. Uh, so a couple big additions there, I think, for a Hurricanes team that is banging on the door of getting to that Stanley Cup final. Uh, and then Claude Giroux and Alex Debrincat go to the Ottawa Senators. Uh, pretty, I don't want to say surprising, but for a Senators team that's been kind of down in the dumps for a couple of years now, it looks like they might be able to quickly turn things around. So, Mike, give me give me your quick thoughts on on those some of those moves or any other moves that I didn't I didn't mention. Oh yeah, um, I don't think that the Senators are getting better with adding to Brinkett. He's a solid player, but Chicago uh, in their draft capital came out made it out like bandits in this in this trade, especially when they're going to have the capital. To, uh, leverage as much as they can to get the top pick in the draft. Um, I think you're going to see that team tank for the next big, next big thing. Connor Bedard in next year's draft, he's the unanimous number one pick. And I think Chicago's in a spot where they're just going to be so bad this year that he just falls right into their lap. Hmm. Zach, give me some thoughts on some of those moves or any one other move that we didn't mention. Yeah, you know, signing Claude Giroux, he's 34 at this point. They signed him to a three-year deal. It's getting up there. It's it's a little tough. I mean, the the Huberdo for Kachuk trade was huge. Um, I know the Panthers got some some flack for not being tough enough during that Tampa Bay Lightning series last year. So they bring Kachuk, who's a lot more physical than Huberdo ever was. Um, and could also put up a hundred points last year. So that was massive deal. I mean, you got, I think it's gonna be a win for both sides. Uh, I don't really see a loser there. 
Um, didn't really talk about the Bruins too much. A couple mm-hmm. big signings, you know, bringing back some guys, Bergeron, and uh, getting that uh, old man Krejci back from overseas. Mm-hmm. Getting those two big ones for me. Um, yeah, interesting offseason. A lot of a lot of big names on the move. Brent Burns, another guy like you said, very surprising for me that they traded him. But uh, I like the move there. He's a he's still good, even though he's getting older. He's still blue chip uh, lineman. So lots of great moves this offseason. Lots of big names going all over the place. It'd be interesting to see how they gel with their new teams. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Now you brought up those Bruins moves. Let's let's dive in, into our Bruins season preview. So obviously they bring back Bergeron. They bring back Krejci, who spent last year playing over in the Czech Republic. Um, outside of that, uh, not too too much. They made that trade where they acquired with the Devils, where they acquired center Pavel Zaka for forward Eric Halla. And then they also let Curtis Lazar walk. I think he signed with the Canucks for a three-year deal. Uh, outside of that, uh, the only other meant and move that was made, and it wasn't really so much a move that was made in the offseason, uh, obviously you lose Tuka Rask midseason last year, and he's I think he's he's done. There's no coming back. There's no comeback attempt this time around. So I think you're you're done, and, and it's going to be Ullman and Swayman in net for the foreseeable future. Uh, so that seems to be kind of the who's in, who's out uh, over the course of the offseason. But obviously the Bergeron and Krejci ones are huge. Those are the Bergeron's just the cornerstone of the franchise. If if he had chosen to walk somewhere else or retire, that would have been a massive blow. And getting Krejci back, obviously, is a huge boost to not only the offense, but just the team as a whole, uh, as a guy that you know can be a top six forward for you. Uh, so, Zach, kind of get me started here on your thoughts for the Bruins this season. Give me your expectations, maybe an X factor, who, who, or even a player that's a younger player that's on the up and coming. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be again getting outside of that that top line. Are they going to have the scoring? Um, you get Krejci back, which should be a huge boost to Hall and I guess DeBrusque on that second line there, um, but. Even when Krejci was here, that was the story for years is who's going to score outside of the perfection line. Um, hopefully it's fine. Hopefully it's DeBrusque. Maybe he gets moved at some point if, if things aren't going well, but he's got the talent to be a 30 goal scorer. I don't see why it wouldn't be. Um, my X factor this year is going to, is the goaltending. Uh, need one of those guys to step up and take the job. Uh, really take reins as the number one, number one guy in net. And not that they can't split some time, but you need a guy. And last year we, people gave him, people gave a lot of shit that they played the wrong guy in the playoffs. Well, if you have a true number one, that won't happen. So let's let one of these guys go and pick, pick up the slack and see what happens. 
Yeah, Zach brings up a good point there, Mike. The the goalie timeshare almost kind of, in a way, became something that hindered the team in the playoffs. If if it ends up being close to a 50-50 split of the starts between the pipes, between the Ullman and Swayman, do you feel like that's a sign that the team just is struggling? Or could that maybe be beneficial and keep both of them fresh? W- which viewpoint would you take on that? Yeah, um, I think it all starts with the signing of Allmark when they, they gave him a 5-5 five and five contract with an up-and-coming goalie who is touted to be the the goalie of the future. And I think they overpaid for Allmark, and it's showing – it showed over this past offseason where they couldn't make too much of moves. They're, they're kind of strapped for cash at the moment. Um, I think behind – Swayman and Allmark, they have a fantastic farm system in regards to the goalies. Um, so I think that, you know, if they had a little bit more faith in Swayman, him being the number one, and then the, the, the goalies in Providence, and they could easily be backup goaltenders in the NHL. Now, the problem with the Bruins is if, you know, Swayman gets hot and Allmark is riding the bench, it's a, that's an expensive shiny toy sitting on the bench that's not going to do too well for the bottom line. So if they want to move him, they're going to have to retain a little bit of a salary. I'm sure there's a team out there who would want him, but they would have to retain some of the salary and, and, and what have you. So, um, so that'll come into play. Um, I think they really need to get the extension for Poshtenok signed before next week when the season starts. Um, his roots are pretty dug into the team. I don't think he, he would test the market, but if that, if they're not fully committed to signing him before the start of the season, you know, things could, things could go south quick. And I think he's going to, he's going to demand market value. He's going to be somewhere in between the Nathan McKinnon big contract and the recent Matt Barzell contract. So somewhere in the, in the area of between 10 and $11 million a year. So, and it's, he's well worth it and, and much deserved. But I think that goalie signing really hindered their ability to make moves in this offseason and, and the next few. Gotcha. Now, expectation-wise, Mike, where does where does that leave you coming into this year? The Bruins obviously have a new coach with the unexpected departure of Bruce Cassidy back in June. They quickly fill his spot with Jim Montgomery, who was the assistant coach over in St. Louis with the Blues. He had been a, a head coach previously in the league with the Dallas Stars before he was, uh, I'm reading here, apparently fired for unprofessional conduct. I guess he had a, a bout with alcoholism, which he seems to have uh tackled and moved on from so hopefully that is still the case uh but given the the changes behind the bench and uh bringing in uh uh Krejci back from the check what, what are your expectations for the team mike uh it's gonna be an interesting couple months to start the season with so many of your core guys injured with marsh and 
McAvoy, Grizzlick, all on the uh, all on the sideline till at least late November, early December. Um, they're really going to need to rely on their depth and their and their the youthfulness of having young young kids um, filling out the roster. I think it could be a good thing early on the season, kind of you know the adrenaline, the adrenaline of these young guys getting a chance to show what they're made of um, is really going to be. They really need to get off to a hard start because once they get everybody back and the and the grind of the season is in full swing, you're not going to have that big break like you did last year for the Olympics. So it's going to be it's going to be a lot of hockey, especially to start of the season. They have I think like eight or nine games in the first two and a half weeks of the season, so. They really need to get off uh, on a good note and not uh, play from behind, so to speak. Mm. Now, Zach, how critical is it that they do indeed get off to at least a somewhat decent start, given the fact that, Mike, Mike said, Marshan, McAvoy, Grizzlick, all going to be on the shelf for the first handful of weeks or so uh, due to off-season surgeries to either shoulder or hips. Uh, and then also give me your thoughts on the head coaching change as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be big, uh, just from a confidence perspective, especially for the goaltenders, get off to a, a hot start. You don't like to fall behind early. Uh, I don't see they should be all right still making the playoffs, even if they do have somewhat, somewhat of a slower start. Um, I mean, the Sabres finished behind them, 32 points behind them in the standings last year, and they were the closest team to them. So there's four really good teams in the in this Atlantic division here. So I think that even with this slow start, they should be okay, but never like to see that. It's not what you want to see, especially when – you're in a city like Boston and it's championship robust every year. Mm -hmm. um, the honestly, the new coach never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> Not once. Never heard of him. No idea who he is. Um, so I hopefully he's done with the alcoholism. That would be nice. Um, <laughs> I saw I saw he was brought in because they want to get more out of the young guys. So apparently he's a developmental guy. Okay. You know, hopefully, uh, hopefully he brings along some of this young talent we got here and <laughs> we get some more goal scorers. Mike, are, are, do you have anything to add on uh, the Jim Montgomery hire or are you kind of in the dark on him as well? Um, a little bit. Uh, I do know he helped lead the Blues. He was uh, in charge of the penalty kill. Um, to the Blues last year, and he he led the uh, apparently killing unit led the league in in percentage killed off. So must be doing something right. So hmm. um, I think you know he's he's done a pretty good job. He's playing a pretty pretty fast paced system from what I've seen in preseason so far. Um, you know the Bruins they're playing tonight. They're tied up four four with the Rangers. So you know uh, the Rangers have a lot of their big guys out there. So um, they're, they're scoring goals, but also, you know, Swayman's let up four. I don't know if that's because of rust or, or what have you, but, um, they're scoring a decent amount of goals. They, um, they played a good game against the Rangers last week as well. Won, uh, that game. Um, so we shall see what the result of this game is tonight, but so far, I mean, it's, it should be all right, but the real deal starts on, on Wednesday in Washington to start off the season. Mm. So with the season looming, Let's uh, just get your final thoughts before we start going into the division by divisions for the team. Like, 
what are your guys's expectations for the team this season? Is it that anything lower than a playoff berth is a failure or is it they need to win a playoff series? What, what does this team need to do to have a successful opinion in your guys's eyes? Zach, I'll start with you. Yeah. I mean, making the playoffs is absolutely unacceptable. Uh, coach should be out fired right, right away. If that happens uh, with this division lineup, there should be, there's no excuse. I don't care if everybody gets hurt. Um, but as far as the playoffs go, I see him probably a second round exit. So it, you know, the goalie gets hot, they get a chance to go further, but uh, I don't see enough scoring there to get them past the second round. Mm-hmm. It, it's tough. The The Lightning have been to the Cup three straight years now. They won tw- two, the first two, uh, the two trips to it, obviously falling short to Colorado last year. Uh, Florida will obviously, I, I think they're still primed to be a regular season darling. Whether or not they put it together for a postseason run remains to be seen. And then you've got Toronto there as well. But will Toronto ever, it's the same thing. They just always seem to never be able to put it together in the postseason. So are they going to reach a breaking point if same thing for Florida are those two teams. If they get off to slow starts, are they going to look to implode? So you never know. Uh, But yeah, last year it was a disgusting gap between the top four and the bottom four teams in the Atlantic division. Uh, 32 points separated the fourth place team from the fifth place team, which just seems unfathomable. Uh, Mike, give me your expectations. Are they sort of in line with Zach's or do you, do you differ a little bit? Uh, yes and no. I, I think they're still built to go on a decent tear. If they, if they figure out how to play hockey, maybe two games and into the playoffs. It was a little bit of a dry spell there last year where they on a tear about halfway through the season and then couldn't figure it out going down the stretch. So they so if they can keep it going all all year long, um they need to they need to be a more scoring first shoot first team um to have that success. But it's it's just gonna be a tough sample size. It it really, really is hinging on the start of the season with how many injuries. If if that if that start isn't what the what what the Bruins need, then you have to reevaluate what you're doing. But, you know, I think they're built to have a decent season. Um, and I think the young kids, if they're, if they're, you know, as touted as they're supposed to be like John Beecher and Fabian Lysel, I think if they are given a chance to kind of have a shoot first mentality, then, you know, sky's the limit. All right. Let's let's table some Bruins for now and let's move on to kind of quick division by division previews and thoughts going into the season. So let's stay in the Eastern Conference for now. We'll be with the Metropolitan Division. So last year from this division, you had the Hurricanes as the division winner and you also had the Rangers, Penguins and Capitals 
all make the postseason, and the next closest team was the Islanders, and they were a whopping 16 points out from the Capitals. So the question I have for you guys is, in a league where there doesn't seem to be a ton of turnover in playoff teams, as evidenced by the fact that there were only four new playoff teams last year in the postseason from the year before. And of those 12, they've all been in the postseason for at least three or more years in a row. Do you guys see anything different in terms of those top four teams? Will only three of them get in this year? Or do you see a new team from that bottom group? in terms of the Islanders, Blue Jackets, Devils, or Flyers, do you see any one of them stepping up and cracking the postseason? Mike, I will start with you. Well, I certainly don't think it's going to be Philadelphia. They are a dumpster fire uh, waiting to happen. So I think they're going to be bottom of the table for sure. Um, I think New Jersey could be the sneaky sleeper in this division. Um, They made a lot of of moves in the offseason. They got uh, John Marino, a puck-moving defenseman from Pittsburgh. For uh, They traded a young defenseman and some prospects for him. Um, they, they drafted a, you know, a few young forwards. Um, if Jack Hughes can stay healthy and, and be a 100-point scorer like, he's, like he should be, I think they're a force to be reckoned with uh, in that division. Okay. Zach? Whatever your thoughts about the Metropolitan Division? Do you see anyone making a a jump like the Devils, or you think it's going to be status quo here? I think I think you got your top three pretty solid: Carolina and New, uh, the Rangers and the Penguins. Then it gets a little dicey. Like Mike said, the Devils made some good moves in the offseason. You know, the Caps still got Ovi, and the Islanders they were they were bit by COVID last year and injuries and stuff. They really just had a tough time for a lot of the beginning of the season last year. They had that big road stretch. I don't think they played a home game for like, was it like 12 straight games or something like yeah. that. And a, like half their team was on the COVID list. So they were in, obviously they were in the Eastern conference finals the year before that. So Islanders are still a good team. I think that four, fourth spot, I don't know. It, Right now, I give the I give probably give the edge to the Capitals just for ex- experience wise, but the Islanders and Devils are gonna be right there too. Mm-hmm. And, and you didn't even bring up the Blue Jackets as, as a no because they suck too. <laughs> Johnny Goodrow, he, he'll probably score sixty five goals and they'll still suck. <laughs> tough, tough to hear that if you're a Blue Jackets fan, but hey, that could be reality. Uh, Let's let's move over to the Western Conference and talk about the Central Division. Obviously, this is home to the Stanley Cup champions and last year's Central Division winner, Colorado Avalanche, and also features four other teams that made the playoffs in the Minnesota Wild, St. Louis Blues, Dallas Stars, and the Nashville Predators. So the Central was loaded on the Western Conference side, snagging both of the wild card spots. Uh, so, Zach, my question to you is: Do you see a similar outcome this year? Do you think that it'll be trimmed down to only three or four? Do you see anyone else jumping up? Maybe Winnipeg returning to relevancy at all? 
Well, I mean, the Pacific's kind of a dumpster fire. So I the they central here could grab both wild cards again. Um Colorado's an absolute wagon. So I mm, Colorado to win it again would be interesting. But they got a lot of really good teams in the central here. Winnipeg. I don't know, man. They ugh, they they gross me out. I don't know why. They just never do anything well. No belief in Connor Hellebuck. UML's greatest export. Exactly. I can't pr- put my faith in somebody who went to UML, which chose consciously to go there. That's assault. <laughs> but um, yeah, this division, I like the Preds a lot too. Uh, I like what they're putting together down there in your your new home state pretty soon, Ryan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the Central Division is absolutely loaded, especially compared to the Pacific. Uh, I would like to just state on the record, I will not become a bandwagon Predators fan. Still Bruins, 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 but I will be attending Predators games. Just have to. I, I, I'm returning to civilization. It's a, it's a must. Uh, Mike, give me your thoughts on the Central Division. Do you think in the same way as a Zach here? Uh, I know it's it like Zach said, it's kind of a feels like a straightforward division with how the Pacific lines up, and we'll we'll get more into that in just a second. Yeah, uh, pretty much the same. Maybe maybe a sneaky favorite is going to be Arizona playing out of a college stadium this year. You know, they won't have too many people to throw tomatoes at, so maybe they'll be a sleeper. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, Colorado obviously miles above the these teams here um i really want to see minnesota uh make a deep run with how young and talented they've been um they've really built a a pretty solid foundation in in the state of hockey um with uh kirill kaprizov uh, and uh, everyone behind him so um i think they could be they could be a really solid team to watch go down the stretch and uh yeah when you're in nashville are we going to see uh Country Brownie. That's going to be awesome, right? Right? You love country music, right? You're going to love Nashville for that? <laughs> you shut your mouth. I'm going to go hang out at the Grand Old Opry. Oh, God. Stop. He's party. He's going to party downtown on Broadway and just have a day. I think I'm going to have to call out to work tomorrow night. My ears are bleeding. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this this does feel like a one of the deeper divisions, a, te- a division where Honestly, if they could have six playoff teams, they probably could have could fight for that. Um, if if Winnipeg has a, a bounce back year, um, but obviously that's not possible. So it'll be interesting to see who uh, or how many teams get left out in the Central Division when it's all said and done. Hopping over to the Pacific Division, the Flames were the division winners here. Uh, obviously, the big loss of Johnny Hockey. They try to stabilize with Huberto. They were followed by the Edmonton Oilers and a returning to the playoffs, LA Kings. But everyone else in this division, including the Golden Knights, missed the playoffs. So, Mike, give me your thoughts on the Pacific Division. Is there going to be a lot of turnover at the top here, or are we thinking more of the same? Well, it's if, you know, the history 
wants to repeat itself and anything that leaves Boston is bound to win something. So, you know, Vegas is a shoo-in for the Stanley Cup now. Now the Bruce, Bruce Cassidy's behind the bench. Um, no, but they, they're, they're just, they, the just absolute dumpster fire that was their, their front office this year where they are over the years where if you trace a lot of their draft capital has led to nothing, they have nothing to show for it. And they've had to dump contracts because they can't manage their, their thing. So they, I mean, they should just be in the same, uh, realm as the coyotes who, you know, bottom dusters of the league and, and they're bound for that. So, um, but no, I think this, this division is really going to be settled with Calgary, Edmonton, and I think Anaheim too. Um, they have a lot of real young talent on, on that side of things. Um, a few guys played in the World Juniors look really good. Mason McTavish, you know, the the highlight reel of Trevor Zegers scoring silly goals all season long last year. So they're a great fun team to watch, and hopefully they uh, they go deep in the playoffs because they're, they're a fun team to watch. Even though you don't get to watch too many West Coast games, it'll be fun to watch them in the playoff setting. Mm-hmm. Zach, give me your thoughts on the Pacific division yeah mike summed it up pretty well i mean it's edmonton in calgary top two and then you know just a bunch of rest of the teams like there's a clear top two and they're the only two teams that are really gonna make any noise this season i know mike wants anaheim to be a thing really bad maybe they will be but man i i don't i don't see it right away maybe next year is there a year to make a deep run? I but I don't see it just yet. I think they need, still need some more time to develop. Just need time. Uh, <laughs> now we didn't even bring up the Kraken, the most recent of the NHL's expansion teams. Uh, they did not have themselves a Las Vegas Golden Knights esque debut to the league. Uh, they were at the bottom of the Pacific, and uh, judging by the fact that nobody really drop them by name. Uh, I'm going to assume everyone thinks it'll be more of the same for the Kraken as they're still trying to figure their stuff out uh, yeah. on that end. Well, they have a new mascot. Maybe the, the, the buoy they'll bring up from the depths of the Pacific back up to the surface. <laughs> oh God. We're, don't, don't go the mascot <laughs> route. Nice. Nice. That, that, that was a good one. Come on. Yeah. But no, I, yeah. I think, I think, uh, you know, Seattle, Seattle, Phoenix, Chicago, and Philadelphia should, you know, they should uh, have a relegation tournament and just be bounced from the league and lose <laughs> that tournament. So if, if, you're, if you want my thoughts on the matter. Fair enough. I, I can't argue that one. All right. And let's circle back to, back to the Eastern Conference and finish up with the Atlantic Division. I know we already kind of gave our thoughts here, but let's kind of make it official. Uh, Mike, you can go ahead. Give me your thoughts on the Atlantic division. Is there going to be any turnover in what was easily the most lopsided division of the four in the NHL last year? No, I think Tampa Bay still continues to set the standard of what playoff teams should look like. Uh, you have depth in the back end. You have high scoring. You have a brick wall in that. Um, and everyone in this division is chasing them at this point. Um, Florida could be up there, they can make a deep run. Um, and then I think this division is almost like a, uh, it's very similar to the Pacific. You have the top two teams, and then it's anyone's game after that. So 
Um, and, uh, you know, Toronto's going to Toronto. They're going to have, you know, high success in the regular season and just absolutely not do anything in the playoffs. So that'll be fun to watch. And then, um, you know, Ottawa, Ottawa too, they, they could be sneaky. They, this could be the sneakiest division of the four, I think. There might be a lot of surprises in this division this year. Mm. Zach? Yeah, Mike summed up pretty well. There's a clear top four. There's in there's no movement from the bot from the shitters at the bottom there. Um unless the Bruins guys who are injured don't come back for the entire season and they just fall off the planet, then maybe one of them could sneak in. But <laughs> there's a top four and there's a bottom four. It not relatively close. Mm-hmm. Understood. All right. Now let's real quick. Let's, I won't ask you guys necessarily to cook up a bracket for me and tell me who's going to win each round, each series, but let's, let's condense it down to this. Give me the team from each division that will make it out of their own sort of quadrant of the playoffs. So who will advance from the Atlantic playoff and, and so forth. Uh, so Zach, give me the final four teams that you think will be left standing and when all is said and done, and then give me who you think will advance to play each other in the Stanley cup final. All right. So I'm going to say the lightning and the Rangers. Okay. And then out west, we're going to go Colorado. Edmonton. uh, Colorado. Tampa. Colorado repeats. Ah. Okay. All right. You know, nothing crazy there. No, pretty chalk. Maybe you've saved some bold predictions for the end here. Uh, Mike, give me your final four. Uh, and then walk me through how you see it all playing out when all is said and done. Well, yeah, uh, maybe I'll go bold. Maybe I'll say Florida <laughs> over Tampa. I was I was gonna say Detroit, but they're just not there yet. They have a lot of promise, a lot of I think a lot of good stuff coming, but they're just not there yet. So give me Florida. Uh, give me the Rangers. They're they're too young and too good. Um, in the Eastern Conference, um, give me Colorado, obviously, and give me Calgary, uh, and then uh, give me give me Florida over the Rangers, and give me Colorado, and then Florida beating the rain or the Avalanche, not repeating. I'm gonna go bold. They won't repeat. Wow. Okay. All right. I like Pretty it. Pretty bold. I like it. You know, it's. It's it's new. I, I don't Love it. I don't believe in the Florida Panthers, but hey, you know, I, I like it. Yeah, I'll take it. It's better than whatever I could cook up, which on the fly would probably be Tampa Bay, Carolina, Colorado, and Edmonton. You put up or shut up, I probably say gotta roll with experience. So Tampa and I'll say Edmonton somehow squeaks through Colorado. That would leave me with da, 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 uh, Tampa and Edmonton. 
screw it. I'll go Edmonton this year. We'll say Connor McDavid finally figures it out and leads his team to a cup. Love that. Hey, go on my route from last year. Love to see it. Yes, I'm going to steal your pick, and I'm going to bring it to life for sure not happening. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's, as we wind down here, let's just give some bold predictions for the season. Obviously, may or may not have made one or two of them just there with a Stanley Cup pick, but playoff and champions picks aside, Zach, give me a bold prediction or a couple of bold predictions for the season. Could be Bruins related, could be not Bruins related. I'll give you two. Uh, old guy, Alex Ovechkin, wins the Rocket Richard, scores 60 goals this year. And young guy, Charlie McAvoy, wins the Norris Trophy. Mm, I like that. I like the sound of that. Mike, finish us off. Give me a bold prediction or two. I was pretty close last year, my bold, bold prediction. If it wasn't for um, Moritz Zider, I think Jeremy Swayman would have won the Calder for Rookie of the Year. So I wasn't too far off of predicting Jeremy Swayman to win the Calder. But um, I think the Calder trophy, I don't think it's going to go to that Slavkovsky kid in Montreal or Shane Wright. I think it's going to be Mason McTavish in Anaheim. Roll the Anaheim Ducks. Roll the Anaheim Ducks. Um, and then kind of more of a, uh, a I guess, a more down to earth. I think it's not going to be McAvoy who's going to get hurt too much. It's going to be uh, Mo Sider as the Norris Trophy winner. Mm, interesting. Okay. All right. I like it. All right. I think that's all I have on my agenda here for our season preview. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts before we sign off here? Yeah, I do. Uh, fuck Duke. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Honestly, if you didn't say that, I would have been offended. Mike. Yeah, Duke basketball is going to be terrible this year, so just fuck them. I hate you so much. You don't even know what you're talking about. <sighs> On that note, you know what? Uh, I'm not even doing the sign off. We're, we're, <laughs> we're done here. We're done here. Have a, have a good job, guys. Thank you. We'll see you next time.